So don't we don't encourage it. We no. like to depend on. All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Okay. So you know, as you know, my name is Isuf, and mine is Kony, and I am Claude Gatibuke. How how do you? Gatibuke. Gatibuke. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, the 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 name of the of the podcast is Labyrinth Sano. Without without the name. So yeah, everywhere. Labyrinth Sano. He's a poet. Let's do it. Yeah, we you know we usually do it in French, but you know we you know we do it in English too. We okay. actually piling up some, you know, interviews or you know series so that we could start publishing them soon. Okay. Um, you know, so that's why when I heard that you know a lot about Rwanda, you know, I was talking to Kony. Kony mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, we should try to get you on the podcast." So you know, I appreciate it. Thank, no, thank yeah, you, thank you for you know yeah, accepting. I've read a couple of your posts on Facebook and uh, the pe- people's reaction. I think they like. The late one that I've read is that he freed two people. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the generals. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, well, they didn't get freed. He retired uh, them. They, okay. And oh. the, the funny part is, you know, they fought the war together. Yeah. Wow. And he is running for another term sure. to continue being president, but he's retiring the generals, the generals. that fought with him. Um, and the, the twist to that, the reason why I called it uh, the open prison in Rwanda mm-hmm. is because those guys can't go anywhere. They committed so many atrocities. Wow. You know, they killed so many people. They're on wanted lists. So Interpol is going to pick them up if they left Rwanda. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I said, welcome to the open prison, because they built it. They're mm-hmm. the ones that put it in place. Yeah. And now... They are living in it, and they can't go anywhere, and they don't have the, you know, the stars and the yeah. stripes. So you know, they, they, they just like, uh, like no man's land. Yes. Yeah, they're walking around. <coughs> yeah. You can't go nowhere. You can't be who you were. You know. Mm-hmm. Just so, but at the same time, I think that uh, Kagame is going to protect them because they're carrying a lot of secrets. I mean, don't you think? He's. He's, he's either going to protect them or, or kill them. Yeah. Uh, there's one that got away from him that oh. also took part in the, uh, uh, the massacres. Oh, yes. And, you know, uh, his name is uh, uh, General Kayumba Nyamwasa. Mm. He lives in South Africa. Oh, now? Yes. They tried to kill him three times. Wow. Um, one of his associates that ran away with him was actually killed. Uh, three years ago, they killed him in a hotel room. Uh, they strangled him wow. um, in a hotel room. In Rwanda? Uh, in South Africa. They followed him in South oh, yeah, Africa yeah, yeah. and killed thing. him there. Yeah. Uh, he was a chief spy, you know, before he um, escaped. Mm. So, you know, now this general that's mm-hmm. wanted also internationally, mm-hmm. he just lost his asylum in South Africa. Oh. And... Um, he may get extradited. I don't know if it's going to happen or not um, to Spain uh, oh, okay. for uh, uh, crimes against, you know, yeah, Spanish yeah. citizens for terrorism, basically. Oh. And um, 
the, the crimes used to range from genocide to mass atrocities and crimes against humanity, but they had to like cut it down oh. to terrorism. Mm -hmm. And because uh, in the process of killing Rwandans and Congolese, mm -hmm. they also killed Spanish citizens, Spain yeah. can go after them. And so now this guy that got away mm -hmm. and now has become an opponent, they've tried to eliminate him because if he's ever captured mm -hmm. and taken to court, he will you be know, minister right, right, involving Kagame himself. Yeah. So the the best way for him to to get away from this situation is to kill the guy himself. Yes. There's no there's no no other ways. And also, you think, you know, the reason why they try to put terrorism on them is because if they're going to judge him based on what he did in Rwanda, it's never going to stick. Right. Nobody's going to care because yeah. he killed Africans, he killed black people. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, look at Congo. So that's the you thing know, um, I mean. I've been thinking about the, the African Union uh, mm -hmm. court. I don't understand why um, we can't or we we won't try our people ourselves. <laughs> well, uh, it did happen with uh, Isena Bray uh, yes. in, uh, in, in Senegal. But it's a joke. Guess joke. what? Yeah, but even, do you, I mean, I don't know, but do you believe that if it's a joke, do you believe that on the other side it's not a joke too? Oh, yeah. Um, well, let me just say this. What I said was a joke is... Mm -hmm. Do you know who's the next president of the African Union? No. It's Paul Kagame. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he... Oh, so why? Is he, is he the next president of the African Union? Yes. So it's supposed to be Rwanda. Uh-huh. But um, when the, uh, the foreign... No, uh, the ambassador, mm -hmm. uh, the Rwandan ambassador to... Belgium, mm -hmm. which I call him the Rwandan ambassador to Twitter because he's always on Twitter yeah? tweeting. Wow. Uh, he tweeted that, um, uh, that hey, uh, congratulations, uh, Paul Kagame is going to be the next uh, president of, uh, African. of the African Union. So I took a screenshot of it uh -huh. uh, because this guy has blocked me. You know, oh. I took a screenshot. Somebody sent me a screenshot of it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I tweeted it out mm -hmm. and I said, so is the fake election in Rwanda over yet? <laughs> because he said it in July, the election is in August. <laughs> and he said Kagame is going to be the next, you know. Uh, so, you know, it's a foregone conclusion. What's happening in Rwanda, uh, and I forget his name, uh, this uh, Kenyan analyst, uh -huh. uh, they asked him, so what do you think about this coronation process going on in Rwanda? Uh -huh. Because it's not, it's not an election. No, it's yeah, a coronation yeah, process. Coronation. The guy said... What is happening in Rwanda is political nonsense. Oh. And, you know, basically the political nonsense is already, you know, everybody knows Kagame yeah. is about to be, to get another term, which he said many times he would not seek. Yeah. And, of course, he but pretended. The constitution allows him or not? He changed the constitution. So this, 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 this is the problem. Mm. Like... Now, how many years can he rule if he passed? He if can. Uh, he is eligible to rule for 17 years. Uh, I thought it was uh, 25 more. Well, it's always on 17. 
he got um, this this term, mm -hmm. seven years, mm -hmm. um, for his third term, uh -huh. which he was only supposed to get two. Yeah. And then after the seven years, the seven years are transition. And then they have term limits after that, which is two terms of five years. Oh. And so that would be a total of 10. Yeah, 10 uh, in addition seven. to seven, mm -hmm. it would be 17. Mm -hmm. He will be officially president for 34 years because he officially became president in 2000 when he carried out a coup yeah. against his puppet, uh, who was a president then, and Paul Kagame was the vice president, right, right, right. who was actually, he was the decision maker. Yeah. So by 2034, Kagame would have been in charge, will have been in charge if he, if he lives that long and if he's still president then. He's eligible to be president for 40 years. So wow. just think about that. Someone who was born the year or even a year after he um, be, became president yeah. or took charge, yeah. is gonna uh, is gonna have gone through elementary school, middle school, high school, university. Some people will have had kids, yeah. and some people may have grandkids. Definitely, so that's that what time. I was going to say. Yeah. you know, some people <coughs> grow up only knowing him mm -hmm. and their kids. Only knowing him, you know. Yep. So. Yeah, it's exactly with what happened with Blaze. Yeah, that's, you mm -hmm. know, same. I remember when he took uh, he came into power. I was uh, sixteen, and I became a father, and he mm -hmm. was still there. Mm -hmm. And my child went to school, primary school, mm -hmm. and then secondary school before the full up. So. And, and I have a son, my first, you know, son mm -hmm. is now, he, he now turned 21. Wow. And these are the people who threw him out. Yeah. And I was so proud of that moment. These are the people um, who's going to do the same yeah. shit to Kagami. I can't wait. Tell me. Yeah. yeah. We've seen the movie. Right? Not only, <laughs> look, we fought mm -hmm. against Blaze. We went... We get we, we were arrested, put in jail, not real jail like a you know, you know, yeah, uh, short detentions. But before us, our parents did. Mm -hmm. They couldn't. They, they didn't. They didn't even last like two years. They, they couldn't handle it. Then they gave up, and do, then we took it to the street, as mm -hmm. a you know, a, um, a student. We mm -hmm. took it to the street and we failed. Then we become fathers, parents, and our <laughs> kids. They like made it happen. Yeah. They had no way. So and I see the third generation. Wasn't we even told scared. them. Mm -hmm. We told them. Yeah. Your grandma and grandpa, they tried yeah. and they failed. I and your mom, yeah. we tried and we failed. They'll do better than us. And yep. You could see they wasn't even scared. They were and you see towards the how many woods. of them died? You know? mm -hmm. yeah. And this is the yeah. official. Mm -hmm. This is the official number. This is the people with families. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And the oldest pe the oldest person in the death toll was 40. And he's a friend of mine. Oh. Wow. Yeah. He's a friend of mine. He's a, a mechanical guy. He does mechanics. So The youngest was 16. That moment was so exciting to me. Mm -hmm. um, 
if you go back and look at that moment mm -hmm. when it happened, I have a post on Facebook. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly what I wrote, mm -hmm. you know, with the picture. Yeah. Uh, you remember the picture that went viral? Yeah. I say, what a wonderful the day. No, it was the crowd. Oh, the crowd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What a wonderful day for Africa that the men who assassinated our beloved Thomas Sankara, you know, has been pushed out of power by the people. That was a victory by the people. It yeah. was it was exciting. It was one of the, the high moments yeah. for Africa. And it's a big turning point. This is like this is where it's going. Yeah, you know, in the, exactly in the in the in the fifties and mm -hmm. go ahead. Yeah, well, you said something to the fact that um, Kagame said he was gonna leave, and something like the person he groomed to be a president. Right, if he fails to groom a successor. Yeah, you see, at you know, like I, I look at Burkina Faso, right, mm -hmm. and I look at our situation. I don't, I don't feel like there's been a change of power. You know, yeah, I'm happy, you know, compared mm -hmm. to gone. Like, you know, people people sacrifice their life for it. You know, and sometimes I feel like the sacrifice was not like fully, like, not fully realized. Big, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, like, I go back home, I look at the power to be like the people, you know, still the same people mm -hmm. and still the same techniques except that now it's more like white people's corruption mm -hmm. what i mean is you know you look at companies and you try to see who's be behind the companies the people in power yeah, just like here you know same people who they empower they own the big things yeah. you know but what is good into that uh, scenario okay it's probably the same people from the same group who fought each other and then one you know the, 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 the one of them won like those in power right now they've been groomed by blaze mm -hmm. not groomed to become president yeah right he mm -hmm. groomed them to become politicians mm -hmm. and they fool out but what is interesting in this scenario is that we do not this the death squadron is gone don't forget that at the time of Blaze, whatever is happening right now, the, mm -hmm. the incivism, back home right now, mm -hmm. the incivism is unbelievable. Like, people are so freed that they cannot put a, a stamp to themselves. They cannot retain themselves. They, they do everything they want. Yeah, and I also wanted to add that um, it's important that things like what happened in Burkina Faso happen even if just, you know, Blaise Compaore is the only one that's gone mm -hmm. or maybe, you know, him and his death squad. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the way I look at it is um, think back home. Mm -hmm. and you have a really big tree yeah. that you're trying to take down. Mm -hmm. What do you use? Um, you use a, an axe, right? Yeah, yeah. And what do you do? Chip away. Yeah. You know, slowly, slowly, slowly chip away, you know, take mm -hmm. pieces off slowly. Mm -hmm. And at some point, the tree is going to fall. Definitely. You know, it's not going to withstand, mm -hmm. you know, the power of the hammer mm -hmm. or the pounding. There is no rock, no object yeah. known to man, 
you know, that can withstand the power of constant yeah. hammering. Yeah. And I, I think what's important is that the people in Burkina Faso continue to, you know, hammer away, you know, and chip away yeah. at this um, structure that uh, Blaise Compaore put in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that actually they're learning the hard way of uh, what really means uh, freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. They, they're kind of confused between freedom of speech and disorder. So actually, those people in power are also scared of <laughs> to put people in check, the population, to put them in check because they know that the population will turn at them and tell them, look, we're doing right now what we want because we put you there. Because anyway, you guys know that you were, you, are with, you were with him. But we, you know, we forgive you, so come mm-hmm. down and let us do whatever we want. It is empowering for people yeah. to do something like yes. that because now they feel like they you know, feel if like, anybody yeah. else tries it, mm-hmm. you know, we're going back. Yeah. You know. But do, do you see that in like the, 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 the upcoming generation, like, you know, the younger ones, the 20 and under, do you see like, do, do, do those kids have a little bit of knowledge on what's going on? In, 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 uh, in Rwanda? Yeah. Uh, Rwanda's interesting, but um, not enough of them. You know, the short answer is, is not enough of them that actually know or understand it. But we have the work to do. Those yeah. of us that know, we have the work to do to educate. Yeah. Part of the way to do it is social media and reaching out and um, getting um, entrenched internally, you know, so that we're educating people as, you know, uh, the government is trying to brainwash them, Mm -hmm. basically to undo the harm that the government is doing. Rwanda is a very, and has always been that way, Mm -hmm. very well-structured country. Mm -hmm. It's so controlled to the level of every 10 houses, there's somebody that reports to the government the activities that happen. Like, if you have a visitor, Mm -hmm. They will know and they will report you. Wow. Like Like some foreign or non-foreign, somebody that somebody that just doesn't live in the area. They will report you. It's like it's like the Gestapo. Yes. Like the Gestapo. But you do have to, um, you know, there's always ways Mm -hmm. to educate people, to let people know. Um, I was going to give the example of um, when Paul Kagame took over. Uh, he killed multiple generations. He, he killed a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, and like they were bombing and shooting people indiscriminately. It was so ugly to the point where like women were so overwhelmed with all of the shootings and the yeah. like the, the the storm of bombs and bullets mm-hmm. that they were throwing away their own babies to give the babies a chance to survive because oh. they thought this was the end of life yeah. for them. But he presents himself as somebody that actually was a savior for the people. He went to the refugee camps, dismantled the refugee camps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing that he also did, he continued to pursue anyone, educated people, um, anyone that potentially could um, oppose him um, that's in their 40s and above, for the most part, mm-hmm. um, but mostly 50s and above. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
definitely people in their 40s have been spooked. Yeah. They are afraid oh, yeah. um, of, you know, doing or saying anything about Kagame. And the people who are older, he accuses them of either having participated in, ge in genocide or planned it. Mm -hmm. So those people are also silenced. So. But what he forgot, uh, real quickly, what he forgot was <clears throat> my generation, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mid thirties, you know, uh, early thirties, late twenties, mm -hmm. that were old enough to see. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, uh, late twenties. I'm I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, that were old enough to see what happened, and at the same time, you know, are not implicated, yeah, cannot yeah, be accused, like really or having taken part in the massacres, mm -hmm. and that's the growing generation of people that are raising their voices in addition to a few older people and now awakening the younger generation. But we still have a whole lot of work to do to awaken uh, the younger generation. Uh, but I just wanted to, to, to share that there, he left a hole yeah. in his plan because he thought he could get rid of our fathers, mm -hmm. our grandfathers, and our big brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. and that that was going to seal the deal for him. Yeah. And he you know, miscalculated our generation. Yeah. We were supposed to be the lost generation. Yeah. Uh, are you like do you go back home sometimes i oh, can't go back okay. now <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's what i thought because you know yeah. you know with you know all the knowledge and you know the being out, outspoken he definitely would allow you know i mean i have like some of his ambassadors they come after me yeah uh, here yes wow. here in the u.s and mm -hmm. you know in different parts uh, they, um, one of the things, one of their techniques mm -hmm. to silence people is to call a person a genocide denier. Mm -hmm. And in my case, they say that I'm not a genocide survivor oh. because for so them, <clears throat> yes, that's what they try to tell yeah. the world. Mm -hmm. Now for them, they yeah, think that, right. Um, and you may have seen that on the, um, uh, interview in the yeah. comments, mm -hmm. you know, for them, they think that they need to approve you as a survivor yeah. of genocide. Mm -hmm. That it's not your experience, mm -hmm. it's not what you lived that yeah. makes you a survivor. It's not the fact that you were targeted to be killed as mm -hmm. part of the genocide. Mm -hmm. No, they have to decide whether you're a uh, survivor or not. So they do a lot of different things to try to discredit, mm -hmm. you know, what I say. And, 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 you know, they send people to follow me at talks. I mean, wow. they, the embassy sends people all kinds of different places. Before, for a long time, they used to like openly challenge me. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, they still do that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but a lot of times now, they just come and take notes. Yeah, because that would um, be Because yeah, the thing is, when someone is when someone is talking and the person doesn't know what he's talking about, it's different. But when you really know what you're talking about, you know, people would come, you know, they would say whatever they want to say, but you have the answer to it. So, you know, yep. And they, use, they used to use that as a form of intimidation, yeah. showing up, shouting you down, talking um, and trying to disrupt you. Or sometimes just having cameras and like oh. Oh, trying yeah. to like intimidate you with... Uh, you know, taking pictures of you, <laughs> but they realized it, it didn't work. Actually, there was a funny story. We were, uh, um, we, we put on a protest in Pittsburgh, uh -huh. you know, um, I think it was 2012, maybe uh -huh. 2011, 2012. And uh, it was at uh, Carnegie Mellon University. Uh -huh. And uh, one of his guards 
came up and I was um, giving an interview. Mm -hmm. It was very well covered in the media. Mm -hmm. And so he started taking pictures and he's making these comments to me in mm -hmm. Kenya, Rwanda saying, hey, you know, we've got your picture. We're going to get you and everything. And so I finished the interview and then I went back to, you know, the group and mm -hmm. I grabbed the megaphone and said, hey, come on back, yeah. take some more pictures. Yeah. So he stepped up mm -hmm. and he started taking pictures. Mm -hmm. And I took up my phone mm -hmm. and I started taking pictures and he cowered. Mm -hmm. He got scared and he retreated. <laughs> but he had, you know, a more advanced camera and he could zoom in. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And so what I did was get another camera from someone else that was uh, protesting mm -hmm. and I ran through the line of police that was separating us uh -huh. and followed him. Yeah. And he ran back to his crowd. And I just, every time he turned, he would see me right behind him. Yeah. Wow. And he went into a van to hide. Yeah. And I said, you know, come out, take your pictures. Let me take my pictures. Yeah. Um, anyway, the, the police came and took me back to the street, but he never came out of that van. Um, you know, they used that as an intimidating so, factor. For the next generation, mm -hmm. for, the, for the sake of the next generation, mm -hmm. you gotta maintain, you gotta... We need you alive. Like, <laughs> you, you have to, to really, really uh, <clears throat> maintain a certain severity with your mm -hmm. own life. Like, Discipline, yeah. Discipline. Uh, th th that's important. It's that's always been important, important for me, like, in terms of both... Um, healthy living, you know, um, taking good care of, you know, my body, both in what I consume um, and, you know, exercise, um, you know, just making sure that not only I take good care of my body, but also, you know, my mind, you know, feed my mind, study, learn, um, read. I never stopped traveling, you know, never, never stopped traveling. It's 22 years I've been traveling all by the way, he's an artist. But I so. think that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm gathering knowledge <laughs> everywhere I'm going. Yep. I'm meeting people, and it's making me easy. I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm sitting and I'm thinking, okay, what is all about? All these things that happened in my life. I'm one of the most poorest individual <laughs> that you ever met. But the most poorest individual that being in the most richest countries. Mm -hmm. all around the world how? I'm not even working you're very talented that's probably yeah. what it is so your talent me, I say okay God or whoever is preparing me for something I am not an activist for nothing I'm, a, I'm an activist because something is about to happen so we have to be prepared for that to receive mm -hmm. a thing yep so we have to keep ourselves very very we have to care for ourselves and keep ourselves away from troubles. Mm -hmm. Because if something happened to us, I'm lucky. I'm already a father, right? So I suppose that <clears throat> I've already passed a lot mm -hmm. to my kids, but also I've been away from them for so long too. You understand what I mean? Yep. But at the same time, your the weaker point of an activist is when I'm thinking about, now I'm thinking about um, Patrice Lumumba hmm. and Thomas Sankara. Um, the difference between Pat Patrice Lumumba and Thomas Sankara is that Patrice Lumumba escaped mm -hmm. and then he came back. Because the, of his family. His family. 
Senkawa's wife, have, she's, she has already told mm-hmm. that whatever happened to her husband, it doesn't matter. She was already prepared. She mm-hmm. knew her husband. Yeah. Look, she didn't try to escape. They mm-hmm. came and get her and take her away. She refused to leave. They forced her. She said she's not leaving. She, where she, she, she didn't even know at that time that her husband was already dead. For her, maybe he was arrested. Mm-hmm. Or, but she said she's not going nowhere. And they say, okay, for the safety of the kids, mm-hmm. we're going to take the kids away. So this is where she, okay, she finally accepted to move. So just to say that as an activist, they're going to try to play you on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Be aware of it. When you are a stranger into a country, or, or the wise thing, when you are a stranger to a country, you have three things to do. When, especially when you don't know when, to, when you are going to return. Look for a way to discipline you mm-hmm. and to give you protection and to stand up for you in this land where you are a stranger. Try to get a friend who is part of law enforcement. Friend, mm-hmm. law enforcement or justice, whatever, okay? Mm-hmm. And your best friend should be a prostitute. <laughs> that you will be able to get a lot of information for sure. See? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's where a lot of the conversations happen. <laughs> yes. Even, the, even Jesus Christ. Yes. Saved. Saved one. He, lo- yeah, he saved one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, just that was a parenthesis. Yeah. Do, do, do you miss Rwanda? Um, I miss the people. Yeah. For the most part. Um, I, I um, you know, I'm an African, mm-hmm. and I know Rwanda is a small country. Yeah. With a lot of people, mm-hmm. it's very crowded. Um, I do uh, want to um, set up projects on the continent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be in Rwanda. Yeah. Um, I'm not confined to the country itself, mm-hmm. but I do, um, you know, I, I miss some things, you know, mm-hmm. the food, yeah. just the place, mostly the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do, uh, at the end of the day, you know, I'm comfortable in any African, you know, yeah. country, uh, regardless of whether it's, you know, in West Africa, Southern Africa, East Africa, or Central Africa. Um, and, and, you know, my heart is in, you know, is in Africa. I mean, you know. How, so. how, how old were you when the genocide was happening? 14. 14. Yeah. How, how is it to, like, to experience, to, like, experience all that? And, you know? uh, man, it's... Uh, it's very traumatic experience. Yeah. Um, you know, it, the genocide wasn't like something that happened suddenly. Yeah. You know, yeah. there was a, a war. A, you know, yep, a four-year yeah. war that led up to it, and it was kind of like um, if you play a sport, you know, you warm up first, mm-hmm. and then you have the action, yeah. and then you cool down. Um, the genocide 
or the warm up to the genocide, if you will, mm-hmm. is was uh, this uh, four year war that was rooted in historical political competition between uh, the two main ethnic groups in Rwanda, the Tutsis and the Hutus. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a rebel group of Tutsis uh, led by Paul Kagame, who is the president today, who was trained here in the U.S. Oh. at Fort Leavenworth. Yeah. He, and, and when he came here to train here, mm-hmm. he was a Ugandan. He was part of the Ugandan military. Yeah. Wow. And Rwanda was invaded by Ugandan soldiers of Rwandan descent who had fled to Uganda 30 years before. Mm-hmm. So they fight this uh, four-year war. In the three years that this war went on, and I'm going to be brief, um, we experienced massacres by the rebels led by Paul Kagame. Mm-hmm. They would call people to meetings, hundreds of people, and start throwing grenades into the crowds or sometimes kill them with hand weapons. They would bury people in mass graves, sometimes alive. There were so many amputated people in the city of Kigali. The places that the rebels led by Kagame occupied were ghost towns. There was nobody there. Those towns were empty. And there was a million people that fled from those areas to the city of Kigali, and that was more than 10% of the population of Rwanda. So if you think about the US, that is like 30 million Americans all moving into one city at the same time. There is no one city in America that has that many people. Um, so you've got the migration crisis, you've got the massacres, and then there was a bunch of political parties that were born because this was at the time when Africa was going to a multi-party system mm-hmm. instead of the single-party uh, states. Um, these these parties formed youth wings, and these youth wings would riot on a daily basis. When we went to school, we weren't sure that we would make it back home because of the riots. There were political assassinations. A bunch of people in the government were assassinated, and every time after an assassination, there were some massacres. Um, there were so many weapons. Grenades were so common. Grenade attacks were so became so common. When I grew when I was growing up in Rwanda, mm-hmm. as a little kid, I had never seen a gun. I didn't see a gun until October first, nineteen ninety, when I saw the soldiers traveling to the uh, the front line, wow. and I thought they were staging a movie in Rwanda. I had never seen a soldier dressed for war. For war. They they were, were dressed excited. in yeah they were they were dressed like Boy Scouts before that, yeah. and after that it was like. You know, uh, everything changed. And um, now with all these weapons, when people went to rob a place, instead of, you know, the, the regular, normal, you know, uh, weapons, now they're using guns and they're using grenades. And <clears throat> there were so many weapons that it was cheaper to buy a grenade than it was to buy a loaf of bread. It was cheaper to buy a grenade than it was to buy a bottle of soda. And... You know, all of these things are leading up to the genocide. This is in the years leading up to it. This is the thing that I'm, oh. I'm so embarrassed about. It's like, all these things, just like Sankara was saying, that every time an African uses a gun, or buys one, or buys one mm-hmm. he's against his own brother. He yep. said, we don't make guns. Mm-hmm. Where were they getting we guns from? This, this genocide, 
all these wars are backed up. No one, let me tell you something. There's only three countries in Africa that can sustain a one month's war. One month's war. What? No joke. War? I mean, you know how many billions has to go through it? Yeah. But you know what? You they always find somebody who's gonna back it up, like mm -hmm. okay, because after the war is done, and we make sure that you war, then we're going to sign contracts about yeah, it's the resources. So, so the, the right, the weapons. It was a proxy war between the French and the Americans. You know, yes. so the Americans were supporting Kagame yeah. and his military that were. You know, English speaking and the British also and the French were supporting the government that was you know French speaking um, at the time so I think that's why back uh, to Rwanda went to bilingual they yes they, they switched bilingual. to yeah, English yeah. Yeah, the I educational know, system I, I think, yeah, they're giving up the French slowly yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. and it's a mess in the educational system yeah. yep so um, on top of all of those things that I described, mm -hmm. there were also terrorist attacks, like bus stations. Yeah. And you know what bus stations look like in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. They were bombing those. Shit. Um, markets, you know what markets look like. Oh, no. They yeah. were bombing them. Yeah. Now, the general who was leading that is one of the two that I posted about oh. a couple of days ago. Yeah. He was leading those activities. He is the spy chief that was arrested in England mm -hmm. two years ago. And released because Tony Blair's wife was his, um, she was his lawyer, because Tony Blair and Bill Clinton are big supporters of Paul Kagame, oh. and she got him released on a technicality. Um, so now he's been, he's no longer a general, he's a civilian. Uh, but he in Rwanda that's why I said he's in an open prison yeah. because he was already arrested yeah. two years ago and if he went out again he, he might get arrested again yeah. um, so now fast forward to April 6 1994 president of Rwanda's coming from Tanzania from you know negotiating this peace deal between Rwanda and the rebels mm -hmm. and they shot his plane, shot his plane. and uh, you ask who to this day, the only people that have come forward and say that they know about it are people who are part of the RPF, which is the group that Paul Kagame led. Um, one of his bodyguards, Alois Rienzi, has testified and said he was in the meeting planning the, uh, when they were planning the assassination. Uh, Jean-Pierre Mugabe, uh, another one of uh, uh, Paul Kagame's associates, mm -hmm. you know, testify to how the um, the uh, assassination was carried out. He actually just released a book called Made in USA. Um, and um, uh, Tiojen Rudasingwa, mm -hmm. who was the chairman of the RPF at one point and was also Kagame's ambassador to the US, um, also testified and said Kagame told him that he ordered the shooting of the plane. So, so far, everything that we've heard from witnesses are people who are associated with Kagame saying that he ordered the shooting of the plane. That's it of the genocide. And at that time, the extremist Hutus took up arms, you know, just, you know, machetes and clubs, and they started hunting down Tutsis 
you know, I mean, just killing them yeah. like animals. Wild. Yes, it, it, uh, and they kill so many people. Bodies were piling on the side of the street. Um, in the book that Jean-Pierre Mugabe um, released, uh, this was two months ago that he released it, two or three months ago, um, he talks about how the RPF, you know, the rebel army, infiltrated the militias that was uh, uh, carrying out the genocide and also joined in in the killing of Tutsis. And this was, so the rebel group that's Tutsi and the militia that's Hutu all kind of joined in together and did all the killings. Now, um, not only that, but the war continued. The RPF continued to shell the rest of the country and took over. For me, it was like when I first heard that the president was shot, mm -hmm. I was like, man, I hope the president didn't die because we're not going to be able to finish the soccer tournament. Oh. You know, that was, that's yeah. what I was thinking. And that changed really quick because of, you know, like, it was just like a big storm of bombs and bullets. Yeah. You know, people screaming and crying, you know, for help. We were seeing all of these uh, explosions everywhere, you know, shelling is, you know, uh, whistling over our heads and we're escaping from house to house. And at one point, while we were escaping, um, the militias took me and my mother out of this little pickup truck that we were traveling on uh, at a checkpoint. And they took us away to kill us. This wow. wasn't the first attempt at killing us. Um, uh, there, were, there had been many, um, but this one was probably the closest. Where they, once they got us away from the street, mm -hmm. a bunch of people rushed in, neighbors, and started yelling at them, saying, "Hey, leave them alone! Don't kill them!" And anytime you left somebody, mm -hmm. because they ordered the truck to leave. Mm -hmm. Anytime somebody was left, they got killed. They, um, the neighbors, these women and children and some older uh, men were yelling, saying, hey, leave them alone, don't kill them. And the guys looked at us and they go, go talk to those guys that are yelling at us. Mm -hmm. Tell them to let you borrow some shovels and hoes and dig your own grave because we gotta bury you after we kill you. Wow. This was the order to me and my mom. And um, we, and we, we had seen it. It was real. Mm -hmm. I mean, we could smell like yeah. the decomposing mm -hmm. bodies, and you know, we could see like all you know the air. I mean, it was it was as ugly. And the truck driver came back. He came back twice. Brought two guys to negotiate. They stayed there for hours and hours and hours, and they didn't give up negotiating even though they threatened to kill those guys also and everything finally one person said you know what one of the negotiators uh -huh. said you know what look at this little boy and his mom they're not gonna make it five miles from here let yeah. them let somebody else kill let somebody else kill them wow. and they agreed to the suggestion That's and crazy. we left that place um there were times when you know we got hit by bullets and uh -huh. you know other explosions um the militias came into our house multiple nights uh, while we were in hiding mm -hmm. to find us to kill us. Um, we had people like seeking us out to kill us, wow. um, and and we made it. But we knew it was real because we we saw it mm -hmm. happen to people. We saw people get chopped down. I saw one guy that was like my big brother because we had been neighbors for so long. Yeah. 
I saw my next door neighbor run after him and chopped him to pieces right in front of, you know, everybody. And people were so scared of the killer. He was so he was armed to his teeth. You know, no one could stop him. Um, you know, so those are just, you know, some of the things that I saw and experienced um, and witnessed. Um, so why why would it do it? Was it just because of the the ethnicity issue or like why why would it you know it's a good question there it's power struggle basically ethnicity just makes it easy mm -hmm. to pick sides and to divide people but at the end of the day it was the rebels wanted to take power so they claimed it was an ethnic issue mm. the government wanted to keep power and they used ethnicity to try to maintain themselves in power because they were the majority. And so now, anytime you have a conflict, you have an extremist. Majority of people are usually, you know, in the middle, somewhere on the spectrum. You know, the two extremists are usually the most violent, the most armed, the most well-equipped. And that's what happened in Rwanda. The extremists had the weapons and they had the power. In between becomes yep. victims. Yep. I mean, it's the same same thing as here when 9/11 hit. You know, like people were like they would see someone with a turban. It's not even a Muslim. They would like want to beat them up. Mm -hmm. like, you know, yes. they could I kill mean, them. Yep. And the same the same strategy was used. Look, when we go far back, was used the same strategy and techniques of dividing to conquer was used with Sabimbi, Sabimbi, mm -hmm. Charles Stell. Mm -hmm. Gaddafi, mm -hmm. uh, Blaise Compaore, he's, he's, mm -hmm. he didn't get away yet. Mm. He's not away yet. Yeah. yeah. This is nothing. This is the beginning. See, Gaddafi, mm -hmm. he got the chance to do just like Blaise Compaore. He mm -hmm. got a chance twice. Mm. He didn't take it. What do you mean, just like Compaore? Okay. You know, he was under embargo. Mm -hmm. And the, the African Union. Yeah. Negotiated with the United States to lift up the, the, the embargo. And then he came back into the system, I mean, the, the international, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. whatever. And he so entrusted the African Union. There was, a, like you said, a power struggle. He was trying to become something else in the African Union, which mm -hmm. At the same time, it couldn't become that because the blacks, like us, let's mm -hmm. let's say the truth, us, the darker side of Africa, we're looking the north side of Africa as these people are dangerous. Mm -hmm. Let's mm -hmm. be honest: the mm -hmm. north Africans could never be like us. They see us as lesser. I mean, we look at places like Mauritania and Chad and see what happens yes, there. You exactly. know, yeah. slavery. You got the yeah. You have right. the evidence. Yeah. So, so we will never. Gaddafi was trying to control the African Union Definitely. to become the whole Africa. The yeah. you know the chief chief of the chief. Africa. Yeah. But okay, you forgot something. That some other people who were not in power for so long, but are very are very influential in the international you know, play, mm -hmm. gather together to get them, to get the, the, the embargo lift up. Yeah. And at the same time, 
countries like Niger mm -hmm. was not happy about whatever Gaddafi was doing in Burkina Faso because he crosses mm -hmm. he crosses Niger mm -hmm. to come to Burkina Faso mm -hmm. and deal with Burkina Faso, put some infrastructure infrastructures yeah, and everything. Build, yeah, build hotels. Because he was using Blaise Compore who was mm -hmm. know, very influential yeah, influential in the system mm -hmm. with the French. Yeah, yeah. And also was part of the, all the invasions of exactly. Liberia and, exactly. and Sierra Leone and, with, you know, yeah. With, in complicity with the Americans. Yep. Because let me tell you something. When the French want to do something, they consult the Americans yeah. not to be involved. We're going to do this. Yeah. So don't get involved. Mm -hmm. You know, powers don't, f don't, don't fight each other. Yeah. They work people, together. Yeah, they all they, work they're together. allies. People are, you see, that's, that's, you see this thing between cool. Russia and the United States. It's a joke. People are so excited, like, <laughs> okay, uh, United States or United States and North Korea. Nothing will happen. Yeah. Nothing. People yeah. are so excited, like, oh, you know, United States is going to bomb North Korea or what? You know what? Forget it. Yeah, it's not. Forget happening. it. There's no way. It's not happening. There's no way. So, what I'm trying to say. Is that they're using the same techniques. Mm -hmm. They use it in Liberia, they use it against uh, uh, Jonas Savimbi, he was backed up by, by the Americans mm -hmm. for so long. Yep. This was the Amen. This was, I can say it was the first biggest rebel, rebel I mean the, 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 the really um, uh, well known rebel, first rebel in Africa that we mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. Savimbi? Yeah. Why? Because mm -hmm. he was there even when Sankara was. Look, yeah. I was. Why? No, he was there when even Blair was there. No, I said even when Sankara was on Before power. Before Sankara was, even yeah. was in the power, he yeah. was there. Yeah. Savimbi started in 75, I so, think. Yeah. Wow. He, the, the, the war in Angola, in Sudan, in Mozambique. Mm -hmm. The whole region. Yeah, they were all like around the same time. Yeah, and they were very long running. Uh, Mozambique was the first one to get out of it. Yeah, um, but, uh, but, you know, you had, uh, you know, all of Southern Africa, you know, was fighting around the same time. But the wars kind of ended, you know, early. I mean, uh, Namibia and South Africa went on for a while, but it wasn't like open, mm -hmm. big time warfare. Zimbabwe ended in 1980, mm -hmm. you know. Angola did not end until 20 years later in like 2000, no, almost 30 years later in 2000 no, something. I think it's 2001. Know. Yeah, or 2001 three. or three. Yeah. Uh, look, before Savimbi get killed, he had a meeting with Blaise Compaore. Hmm. Yeah. And he was supposed to have him in Burkina Faso as a refugee. Mm -hmm. That was, the deal was sealed. And when he left, when he left, he got killed. Yeah, because, you know, white people was like, nah. Look, Blaze, Blaze, Blaze. So what I'm trying to say in this case is that about Rwanda, do you really believe that in mm -hmm. the next five to ten years, do you really believe that they, the same people, who are backing up Kagame, who, or the same people who backed him up until mm -hmm. now? Do you do you really believe that in the next five to ten years they will still back him? Um, I think they're using him. Yeah, it's gonna be his own people. I think it's gonna be difficult 
because of Kagame came at the wrong time, at the wrong end of time with the growth of technology and social media and our ability now to tell our own story. It's going to be hard for somebody to one day, you know, go out and write your story or write my story or write your story, you know, because people are just going to go back and look at, you know, my social media, you know, my timeline and say, you know, these are the things that he said. You know, I mean, somebody will have to hack your account and hack everybody's account Mm -hmm. because uh, and they will have to like do things in the past. I mean, it's going to have to be a lot of work Mm -hmm. for them to bastardize it. Kagame, um, about 10 years ago, you couldn't say that the plane was shut down. His narrative was it was a crash. That was the conventionally accepted, Accepted you know, version. You could not call Kagame a dictator. You could not call him a war criminal. You could not call out his genocide. Now, all of that is out. out. It's still not mainstream because he pays so much money for lobbying. And part of the lobbying strategy is to get nice stories out there about him and his leadership. Uh, he also has a lot of people defecting from his party because he's killing. What's happening with Kagame is um, even the people who supported him mm-hmm. during his rebellion. One of his, his one of his biggest financiers. He killed him two years ago. They bashed his head in. Wow. Yeah, and then when the family came and wanted to get an ambulance, they refused for them to get an ambulance. When the ambulance came, they sent the ambulance back put the guy in a body bag while he was still breathing and they took him to a morgue instead of taking him to the hospital. Uh, another big time business person all over the continent in Africa, the, the wealthiest Rwandan person, also supported his war, also was a big time you know, uh, sponsor of Kagame. He's been kicked out of the country. They have um, canceled his passport and They've taken his business. He had a mall yeah. in Rwanda. They took it. It sounds like uh, yeah. Putin's techniques. Yeah. Well, I don't mm. feel bad for those people, though. Because, no. you know, when you support... But you build... You know, this is... You build the yeah. system, and the system eats you. So he's yeah. eating his own, yeah. you know, uh, himself from inside. And the outside now, because they're exposed. Mm-hmm. So Britain is one of his biggest sponsors in terms of budget support and everything. Today, uh, in the last few weeks, Mm -hmm. there has been so many reports coming out of Britain saying, why are we supporting this despot that is trying to kill people here? Like, we're using our own taxes, is going to this guy and he's turning around and using it to come and assassinate people (laughs) in this country, you know? And so it's become it's become a scandal yeah. that Britain is sponsoring him. And that's no. and that's what's happening mm-hmm. here also. You know, more and more people are becoming aware of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He still has a lot of support, but it's slowly becoming embarrassing yes. to support him, which was easier to do in the 80s and the 90s and earlier because yeah. communication, and stories didn't get out. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to wait until the news came out, mm-hmm. and 
the news editors had to decide, you know, who does what. But now, you know, stories go out. Um, I just released an article in The Nation. Um, and they do extensive fact-checking. You have to prove everything that you put in there. But they're willing to accept it as long as you can show them sources and proof, you know. And so, yes, yes, and it takes days and hours to to do things like that but it's coming in the record you know and 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 that's important um the other thing is the lawsuits you know in different places so i think in the next you know over time he's lost support anyway just an example of the u.s when bill clinton was president Mm -hmm. kagame was their favorite african dictator he mm-hmm. called him the beacon of hope. Him and Museveni and Zenawi and Afwerki, some of the biggest dictators on the continent, Eritrea, Ethiopia, Uganda, and Rwanda. He called him the beacon of hope, the new generation of African leaders. Um, when Bush came into power, you remember when uh, Clinton was president, that's when they killed the most people in the Congo. You know, from 96 to about 2000, 2002 was like the worst. When Clinton was on Yeah, the worst period of massacres. Then Bush came and they kind of started to distance themselves. Mm-hmm. Bush still was friendly with Kagame. You know, they met a couple of times at the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was cold. Mm-hmm. It wasn't um, the same as yeah. before. Then Obama came. In the eight years that Obama was president, he never met Kagame at the White House. He met him at the one dinner that they, um, that was the only official event where they met. I mean, they always meet at the UN Mm -hmm. because they have the General Assembly. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was the one time that he had an invitation, basically as one of 40-something presidents that came um, to to meet with Obama. Um, Also, one thing that we tried for the longest was to get the U.S. government to denounce the atrocities that Kagame was committing in the Congo, yeah. and they would not. We were just asking for a statement. Wow. Um, but then we continued to mount pressure. The U.S. was blocking the release of the mapping report, which talked about the genocide in the Congo. Um, you know, we put a lot of pressure out there. The media was very key in making it happen. They leaked it. Mm-hmm. Someone leaked it to the media. The media reported it. The U.S. had no choice but to yeah. let the report yeah. be released. Sure. They modified it, but mm-hmm. the leaked version had already gone out. Yeah. And they gave Rwanda the opportunity to respond. <laughs> and that was included in the report. Uh, but it was 600 pages of 600 incidents. 600 and these were the most serious incidents. So that means there were smaller incidents yeah, that yeah, were not reported. Yeah. Okay. Now, uh, when the M23 displaced o- almost a million people mm-hmm. in the space of three months in 2012, mm-hmm. we also mounted a campaign. And the U.S. was blocking the reports again. Uh, Susan Rice was the main player at the U.N. that was blocking uh, the reports. And she was part of Obama's administration. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were able to mount enough pressure in the media and uh, through the grassroots that um, <coughs> they ended up releasing the reports. Obama ended up calling Kagame 
So before we were like just asking for a statement. Mm -hmm. The first statement denouncing Kagame was at the elections of 2010 after we put out, uh, we had a big press conference and put out a, a press release and it was almost word for word what we put in our press release, what the White House put out. Yeah. Then 2012 and 2013, the US started denouncing the atrocities and they even called Kagame. Mm. Um, and I read the emails, the Podesta emails that came out of WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks. Yes. And the State Department was confused. They were like, what, what does Rwanda want in the Congo? You know, things like that. So the, even the Clintons, uh, Hillary Clinton, didn't know what in the world, you know, what in the hell was going on. Uh -huh. um, oh, he went to rescue, to try to rescue Kagame. He went to visit him. Wow. He made a speech and called him a visionary again. Um, but at that point, the U.S. had withheld aid from Rwanda. Oh. It was only $200,000. You know, that's a salary for somebody that works at the yeah. State Department, <laughs> you know, it's nothing. But it set off a series of different countries withholding aid from Rwanda. Mm -hmm. And there was, were, right, they ran out of, you know, yeah, they basically were like, no, we can't afford to lose this much money. And also South Africa, Tanzania and Malawi joined up with the Force International Brigade, and you know they started shooting up the M23, and the M23 ended up um, losing. I mean, um, and they surrendered really quickly. Um, but the way they started, it was so quick. Yeah, they were organized by the Minister of Defense in Rwanda, um, General James Kabarebe. Also, one of the generals, the second general that was uh, retired um, a few weeks, a couple last week or a couple weeks ago. Was the commander um, of the M23? Yeah, they were organizing wow. it, commanding it, providing logistics, and all of that. It was three of them. Um, the military chief of staff at the yeah. time, General Charles Kayonga, and Kagame's uh, aide uh, or um, uh, uh, counselor, um, one of his advisors, um, General um, Jack Nziza. Those three with the leaders of the M23. And there was so much evidence, but Rwanda was denying it. I mean, you could see on satellite pictures, like walking paths from Rwanda military camps to the camps of the M23 over in the Congo, but they were still denying it. Um, but that was the start of losing their credibility uh, in, the, in the US starting to really address them. Uh, of course, the US didn't stop supporting Kagame, but over time, as we continue to do the work of demonstrating what's happening and the, his atrocities become mainstream, mm -hmm. they have no choice. We're just going to leave them no choice. Yeah. You know? um, and for me, it's kind of rooted in what's happening. It's, it's horrible what's happening in Rwanda. Mm -hmm. But it's even worse what happens in the Congo. And Rwanda, and especially you know, Paul Kagame and and the RPF have have a lot to do with it. I mean, Kabila was installed by them. Yeah. You know, his he father said, was he's, installed he's by them. He said it in one of our, uh, remember <coughs> seeing an interview when he, he mm -hmm. said something to that effect that, you know, we put him in, no, the other Kabila mm -hmm. said we put him in power when he wanted, he didn't want to do what he wanted him to do. We had to take care of him. If you ever get a chance, watch the film Africa Moso. Africa Moso? Yeah. Africa yeah. Moussou. So Africa in pieces. Yeah. How, yeah. how is the relationship between 
you know, the Rwanda, the people from Rwanda and the people from Congo? It's, it's touch and go. Um, and understandably so, at least from my point of view, um, the Congolese people have been harmed so much by the Rwandan troops, you know, uh, and it's hard. I mean, the, the Congolese people were so hospitable to the Rwandan refugees. Um, the soldiers and the police, not so much, but the people themselves were, you know, wonderful. I mean, they accommodated everybody. They did. They shared what they had. They gave them land. They did everything with the refugees. And when Kagame went after the refugees, he killed the Congolese. And the number of dead Congolese far, far exceeds the number of Rwandans who were killed, both inside of the Congo and in the genocide. It's like five or six times more, you know. Um, and so the Congolese people are hurt by what uh, the Rwandan troops have done to them and their people and their families. And so there are a lot of Congolese people who they can't tell the difference between, you know, somebody like me who is Rwandan and is against, you know, what happens in the Congo and the Rwandan who supports it. And so, you know, for them, unless they know you, it's like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not really all that fond of of Rwandans. Oh, I have a lot. I have a lot of Congolese friends and I I know a lot of great wonderful Congolese people that are fighting both for um you know uh freedom in the Congo and freedom in the region. I mean, I give examples, you know, my friend Kambali Musavuli, you know, uh, some of you um, you can look at some of his work. You look at uh people like uh, Patrick Mbeko and uh, the kind of analysis that he provides. You know, uh, Benedict um, Kumbi, you know, um, a lot of Congolese people are doing work that's gonna help both the Congo and Rwanda, and they understand the divisions, you know, and, and why the divisions are there, uh, not just looking at the surface. And I don't blame anybody that, you know, thinks Rwandans are bad people because they can't tell the difference, you know. Um, but personally, I mean, my best friend is a Congolese, you know, um, but that's not enough to say, you know, Rwandans and Congolese should get along. We have to, like, recognize, Rwandans have to acknowledge and recognize what our people have done to the Congo and what they have done to the Congolese people. And, you know, in order to, to move forward. Um, so. I, I want to ask you a question about the economy, but it seems you, you want you want to take a break, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You, you yeah. want to Before, you know, let's do five minutes and then we can do a recap <laughs> and a conclusion. Yeah. Let's, okay. Let's All right. Actually, my my dad is the reason why we came here to Nashville because when the genocide happened, mm -hmm. he was actually in the U.S. studying and oh. he was supposed to come back in June of '94. He hit in April of '94. And for three months, he didn't know where we were. Um, he was looking at TV and seeing all these dead bodies like floating down rivers and stuff like that. Um, but um, he's the reason why we came to Nashville, because that's where he was doing his masters. All the things that we went through, I mean, like, not only was it like the bombings and the bombs that hit people and missed us and the shots that, you know, hit people and missed us, but also like, um, the uh, diseases 
yeah. from like sanitary diseases mm-hmm. that killed so many people. We had them and we, we survived. Wow. Um, so it was... Um, That's the other part of the war that people don't realize. Oh yeah, diseases. You know, it's, it's not just guns and bombs. Like mm-hmm. you could survive that mm-hmm. and still end up dying. You still die exactly. from displacement, homelessness, yeah. you know, illness, uh, natural disasters. Um, because you happen to you go to a place that you know yeah. has tornadoes for example yeah. because you're running away from bullets and don't know that tornadoes are coming and a tornado will come and kill you so um, like you, uh, when it happened you fled from Rwanda to to Congo, Congo oh, okay. then from Congo to Uganda Uganda oh. to Kenya and then Shit. from Kenya to here oh, yeah so that was five countries I think yeah, Rwanda, right. Congo, Uganda, on, Kenya. On buses? Uh, we we walked across the to the Congo, wow. and then from Congo, it was an, an American aid worker that mm-hmm. rescued us. Um, so we we were driven out of Congo to Uganda, and, and then once in Uganda, the war was. I mean, you were out of. We were out of it, but you know. Um, there's still like you know issues of like where they pick up like street kids and stuff like that, oh. and I used to be out there playing with them, and they would come and round people up. Wow. Um, in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but and then you felt Kenya was, safe was Kenya? safest. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was safest. It was far. It wasn't like connected. Yeah. That connected to Rwanda. They, you know they don't even share borders. Wow. So yeah, that was like the safest place. What part of uh, Burkina are you from? Ouagadougou. Ouagadougou? Okay. Are there, I've never met anybody that's from outside of Ouagadougou. Oh, it's a lot of them. The guy yeah. who makes his t-shirts from Bobo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a lot of them here. A lot of them from even different part of Ouagadougou, uh, like, not just Bobo, mm-hmm. but you know, Kudugu, like, you know, a lot of places. But the thing is, because Ouagadougou is the city. Mm-hmm. That's where know, everybody like, goes, that's where yeah, the opportunities you know, are. And even, even if you're from Bobo, you probably came, you know, to Ouagadougou to hustle or something. Mm-hmm. So, that's um, I, I followed Burkina a little bit because I always held a grudge against Compaore for killing Sankara. Yeah. Um, when we were in Rwanda, mm-hmm. there was a lady from Burkina Faso. Yeah. She was friends with my mom. Mm-hmm. I think she was a diplomat. Oh. If she wasn't a diplomat, she worked for these international mm-hmm. NGOs. Yeah. She didn't like Sankara. <laughs> my mom didn't understand why. I mean, she, she didn't like it, mm-hmm. but I think she understood that it was because this lady had all these opportunities and privileges from Compaure. Sometimes because mm-hmm. see the thing with Sankara is like we talk about it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like I always say, you know, I don't talk much about Sankara mm-hmm. because first of all, I don't know much about when he died. I was what like he died in eighty seven, right? Yeah, eighty seven. So I, I was probably like five or six. Mm-hmm. So you know, I I was lying if I'm talking too much because he was grown mm-hmm. so he, he I've even 
Compare, I've never seen Compare until I went to I studied in Ghana. So mm -hmm. that's where I met Compare. I wasn't even there to meet Compare. I was there for the food. That's it. You know, Did you food. meet him like in person? No, I just saw him from a I I really I don't I didn't grow up trying to know about politics because as I, I usually say I never seen these people in my hood or my area. Mm -hmm. So I don't really want to know them. Mm -hmm. But you know, when I grew up, I started doing business, I met some of his people, like mm -hmm. who, like the guy who made the coup recently. Mm -hmm. I've seen him come to, I used to work with this guy from Nigeria. Mm -hmm. uh, he's, uh, he used to be a governor in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. I, I saw them, you know. Like talking and they were. come to the guy, the governor, that sat like little kids you know, talking to them probably for money, mm -hmm. you know, so I've never had respect for these people, like I mm -hmm. just, you know, people see them, they fear them, I don't, I've seen them, I've, you know, I've seen them in places, I've, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I haven't talked to them, I haven't mm -hmm. like, sh you know, like shook their hand or something, but you know, I've, like I've seen situations where, you know, they, mm -hmm. I don't, they, they weren't that powerful when I saw them. Mm -hmm. So, we talk about Sankara, Mm -hmm. We don't talk about what he did that wasn't good. We had yeah, yeah. Him. I mean, that's always the, so the thing because maybe the woman mm -hmm. saw that part of him. Yeah. Which sometimes when you get to the power, to get to power, you have to do certain things to stay in power. Mm -hmm. But you know, I, I'm thinking maybe that that was her case, or yeah. maybe as you said, she's directly. Connected mm -hmm. to Compare, but even people who were com connected to Compare, mm -hmm. they love Sakara. You know, they just, mm -hmm. they might not talk about it, but they do love and respect him. But Here's my thing mm -hmm. always, um, and I try to be careful about it, but at the same time, you know, I do sometimes, you know, voice it. Mm -hmm. People like Lumumba, mm -hmm. people like Sankara, mm -hmm. they died young. Yeah. And they didn't have a lot of time, so we never got to know what kind of... Well, we knew a little bit about Sankara. Mm -hmm. Lumumba never had a chance. Yeah, definitely. And not. Lumumba was... Yeah. The big difference between Lumumba and Sankara, Lumumba was elected, Sankara was not. It was a coup. Yeah. Um, it was a bloodless coup, from what I understand. Like, nobody was killed. Yeah, that's what yeah. they say. Yeah. But, I'm sure people were jailed. A lot. Yeah. And maybe those people are related to the woman. Definitely, probably. Um, I mean, probably. And uh, we never, because we never saw Lumumba for mm -hmm. that long, we don't know what kind of leader he would have turned out to be. But we, I appreciate what he did when he was alive. That short uh, the, the part yeah. where he stopped, he was stopped when he was still at the top of his game. Yeah. And the top of his game was a wonderful thing for us, for Africans for the Congolese and for the continent. Yeah. With Sankara, it's a little bit different because he was there for four or five years. You know, he was 83 to 87, right? Yeah, I think three, three, three or four years. Um, and he did do a lot of things, you know, development and stuff like that. He was still a soldier, you know, yeah. he was a military guy. And I never trust military guys with power, you know. But I do think that there were so many things that, I when I watched his documentary, mm -hmm. 
there were a lot of things that I admired about him. Yeah. You know, he stands about women, he's you know, agricultural policies and mm-hmm. economic policies. I like those. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't he wasn't doing harm to people. Yeah, and as you say, you know, like we have to give him the credit mm-hmm. credit mm-hmm. where it's due, you know, we have to respect what he did. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we shouldn't shy away from the fact that the mind Mm-hmm. have been stuffed that you know we're bad and we don't know all we oh yeah oh yeah that he did you know he did some harm yeah. I don't, I'm pretty sure I, I I have a lot of respect for him mm-hmm. but there, there's one part that I don't respect mm-hmm. it's, it's depending on the day some some days I'm like yeah you know I can understand that some days I'm like nah fuck no I don't, I don't respect it mm-hmm. why because he knew that he was going to be killed. Mm-hmm. We talked about it on the podcast before me and Connie. Mm-hmm. I don't see why you having your family, you know they're going to kill you. Mm-hmm. And you know that you're fighting for your family. Mm-hmm. And you allow your brother mm-hmm. to kill you and let your family be without a father. Mm-hmm. Because that was the because you know we kind of like Sankara's kids, mm-hmm. and he was trying to mold us into something that he vision. We didn't get half of that. We didn't get half of the vision. Like he's, you know, people read it and you know to know that we didn't even get half of it is when he said, "Produce what you consume, and consume what you produce." Mm-hmm. We don't do that. Part. Mm-hmm. We haven't I mean, done that since he left. I mean, as, as soon as Compaori came, he pretty much like reversed everything. Even if he did, mm-hmm. that's, that's on us. Compaori can't change us. Mm-hmm. You know? So when mm-hmm. he says, let them betray the friendship, I understand because they, they were young. Mm-hmm. So he either was really stupid mm-hmm. or was like sort of like a god to see that they're young. Mm-hmm. And they know that they're unstoppable. Mm-hmm. There wasn't none of them were listening to the older guys, older people. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were not like cool to advices. You know, like there would be the kind of people who would tell the chief, like yo, you gotta pay your rent or you gotta pay your your phone bill. Mm-hmm. He didn't care. He would say that. Mm-hmm. But like looking at it, he knew that if he were to kill Compare. It was going to be war because these people were not going to let it go. You know, they were going to kill each other. Because fast forward now, when mm-hmm. the coup, when the coup happened, mm-hmm. it's not because the the military they were not powerful. They could mm-hmm. have done some harm. They could have shut shut down the whole city. Mm-hmm. But they were grown up people who talked to them like, "Listen, you can't do that because these kids they are kids and they're, they're your kids too. So if mm-hmm. we fuck this country up, everything is going to be fucked." So they. Listen, they understand. They're reasonable. Yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. Now they were reasonable, mm-hmm. but not twenty, thirty years ago. Mm-hmm. So, so that, that's why I, I said sometimes I wake up and I'm like, "Yo, Sankara was a god." And sometimes I wake up and I'm like, "Nah, this guy was stupid. Why would you allow someone to kill you?" you know? But um, do do you think Compaore has a conscience? Wow, that's the, the reason why I ask this is like I've come to realize there, there are people 
who for them a human being a human life doesn't have value as long as they can use it to access a privilege or something they're willing to hurt people and so when we talk about for example like how does a person sleep at night mm -hmm. oh, no, 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 forget about that. um you you know you, some people because they don't think they're killing a person or harming somebody they don't care they will sleep like a baby you know they will kill a whole you know million people and then go to sleep what i think with people like compari is they're not doing it directly and they don't let conversation gets to them i think compari was very protected against the media what i mean is uh, uh, you know, I remember this song with um, yeah, we, he only avoided the media. Yeah, this this song. The questions. There's mm -hmm. this rapper, uh, Smarty. You know, mm -hmm. he's a rapper from Burkina. He has this song called "The Chapuri Chef." Yeah. And he said, the, the the difference between something is the distance between the chief and his population. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, so because between you and the population. Mm -hmm. There's someone mm -hmm. talking to your ears. No, mm -hmm. that's what the people want. That's what the people love you. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like all these things. But you don't know because you're not on the street. You don't know. Not saying Kompari didn't know, but he had people protecting him from the media so that he could sleep. That's what I think. And also, you don't know, maybe drugs had, you know, maybe. Yeah, of course, you know, of course. Like look, a yeah. little bit of weed cooking, of you know, like. Yeah. You know. Look, look. Um, He's a okay. See, this is somebody who never really killed someone directly. Personally, personally. So, he's but he got his friend killed. killed. Yeah, but he got his right. friend killed, See? right? No. Yeah. No, his friend by who? That's yeah. the point. <laughs> he didn't even know who shot him. Yeah, he wasn't mm -hmm. even there. That is the point. See, then now we have two consciousness that plays here mm -hmm. between the person who ordered the killing and the killer. Mm -hmm. You know, as a human being, we're always looking for some soft spot where we can feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Soft spot. Yeah. Our soft spot is what? It's first being to, to be denial mm -hmm. of many things in our lives. Mm -hmm. Denial. We are denying so many stuff. And some people developed that denial mm -hmm. to a certain level. They're so good at it. They're so good at it. Mm -hmm. And they, this is the reality. You yeah, they believe it. Yeah, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. they, see, it's like the liar. So, mm -hmm. The liar. There's a disease. They believe <laughs> their own lie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a disease. To, to, to a certain point, it becomes a mental disorder. To kind of like lie and believe in your own lies see uh, how you call it there's a name for that that I forgot yeah. for constantly lying and then when you ask him after just after putting a lie out mm -hmm. you asked him did you just say that he said no yeah. did I say that no this never happened to no I never said that yeah. it never happened to me anyway so see, he's lying again. To cover the lies. He doesn't know that he's lying. He doesn't even know. 
Yeah, that, you know, I think, you know, people do that, especially like, you know, when you're involved in all these killings, you have to lie to yourself. And the cemetery is based on science also. There's some pills that you can take once in a while. And it kills a certain part of your, of whatever is bothering you in your life. Like schizophrenia, they're giving pills to schizophrenics just to, you know, to get that spark um how you call it um kind of like um erased no, it's not erased mm -hmm. it's going or numbed. to sleep numbed mm -hmm. it's numbed yeah. okay so they have those things that they take these drugs if you if you look at him through the years even mm -hmm. with all the money and everything you could see how it deteriorated yeah it like, deteriorated see very it quick like face like sometimes it looks like you know sick or if sometimes it, this his face was very saggy. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. like saggy. Mm -hmm. Like you can see, see that, you know, sometimes like someone with no soul. Mm -hmm. So that's why I asked the question is, you can almost take satisfaction in the fact that he did all of these things. Now he's in exile. He doesn't have as much power as he had before. Yeah. And to some extent, he's at the mercy of somebody else when he used to be a powerful person, at least in his in his place. And he's probably always, you know, this is watching his place. back. This is the worst place. He never expected one day yeah. to be. And now he's facing so, his own self. So now, no matter how, no matter what amounts of pills or mm -hmm. injection he does, these crimes will always pop up. Yeah, and he can't go back. Can't go back. So my thinking is, if he has a conscience, then he's suffering right now. He's suffering. And I've, I have no problem with him oh, suffering. Yeah. You know what? But if he doesn't have a conscience, yeah. it doesn't matter right now. Yeah. He's basically saying, oh, I didn't do it. You know, these guys did me wrong. They should have never removed me. I was a great president. You know, um, yeah. So I don't know if he's been humbled, but I'm hoping that he's been humiliated. Yeah, you know, talking about I've never heard him since all these like interviews. I've seen uh, a video on YouTube oh, of his yeah? yeah his birthday. Oh. Yeah, and he was like standing, yeah. and he's very. Uh, I mean. You can see that he's being caught up by but, but do you do you do you believe that whatever happened he was involved? Like, you know, like the coup back then? Sakura's coup? Mm-hmm. No, like this no. No this, no no. After coup. yeah, after oh, this one? Yeah. Uh -huh. No. Yeah. No. He wasn't involved. What do you mean in, if he was involved? Because people said, you know, like it's you know, we heard of, you know, phone conversation with Soro and Oh, this is not him. This is nothing. This is Jibril Basole. Yeah, I, I know, but you know, if John Soro was involved in all this, so maybe you know, do you think that he? This, yeah, this, strategically, mm -hmm. right? Strategically, mm -hmm. in politics, mm -hmm. the one that backs you up, mm -hmm. the one that puts you in power. Mm -hmm. If you want to remain in power, you have to take him up. Take him down. What does that mean? Alessandro Manwatara 
and GM so are in power right now because let's back them up. Mm -hmm. So, what will be the best way? Because France backed the rebellion, mm -hmm. but France used Blaise to back. Okay? Mm -hmm. And now what happened? Guillaume Soro. Guillaume Soro is the guy from... I know, Gia, I know Guillaume Soro. That's why I'm just sitting here thinking this guy really, who so does Guillaume he think Soro, he is? Guillaume Soro you know? and Alessandro Roman Water. Guillaume Soro and Alessandro Roman Water, there's a, there's a clash. A silent clash. Yeah, people can feel that. Alright? Guillaume mm -hmm. Soro knows that the only savior way, the, the, the only way for him to delay his fate, right? His delay mm -hmm. is to become president after Alessandro Amarosa. So what's his fate? <laughs> Save, Dude, that's his delay. Uh, Look, this is the thing with greedy people. Because they uh, always you know, think uh, that they can escape. I look at Guillaume Soro mm. and I just think why you know him and the Kabila yeah. they kind of remind me of each other the reason why is they're so young yeah. you know Guillaume Soro is what like 45 now is he maybe younger um, I think 46 I think yeah, yeah he's like mid 40s yeah. Yeah. he's not 50 yet no 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 but he was like 30 something when yeah. he was fighting that war in like 2002 2003 yeah. you know so he's probably born like around 70 yeah. or something like so that what and so this is the point. Blaze is more insecure right now mm -hmm. because Alessandro Manwata is not like is not seeing Guillaume Soro as the next president. Oh, see, which means what? Okay. France is seeing someone else. Yeah, and. Which means that Carl Ivory Coast is not out of trouble yet. Yeah. So Alessandro Roman Water just named, you know, he just appointed uh, the the vice pre a vice president. That's not Guillaume. Yeah. That's not Guillaume Soro. It's not Guillaume Soro. A vice president. Then now, mm -hmm. what is going to happen? They, based on the constitution. They might modify the constitution mm. and really? switch, switch the presidency mm. replacement just in case, mm -hmm. just in case something happened to the president or whatever. Mm -hmm. Instead of the, uh, AP, uh, the Prime assembly, Minister, mm -hmm. the assembly president mm -hmm. taking over is going to be the vice president. Who's the assembly president? Now? Oh, I thought he was a prime minister. No, no, he was prime minister. Now he's the he, he played himself. And how did he get that? He played himself. Mm -hmm. Instead of staying prime minister and mm -hmm. leave the, um, the, the, the assemblyman mm -hmm. presidency mm -hmm. alone, mm -hmm. he jumped on the assemblyman presidency. Because at that time, the constitution says that if something happened to the president, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, the president, the, the assembly. President, yeah, takes mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. But now that they have a vice president, mm -hmm. Because they changed the constitution. Is the and constitution the already changed? Yeah. That's why Alessandro Dramana just Draman just won again. So he's uh, he's got his second term. Yeah. 
When is it over? In two years. It's over in two years? Yes. So 2019? Yeah. Watara's done? Yes. Oh, so it's four-year terms? Yes. And then he's got a vice president now. And I can kind of see the game that they both the are playing. And you see yeah. that these because past days, mm -hmm. the shootings, mm -hmm. the shootings are because mm -hmm. the killings started. Mm -hmm. And then Guillaume Sula came out, mm -hmm. you know, in big conference. Mm -hmm. And he put out that display. Um, you know, he asked forgiveness. To the Ivorian people for whatever happened during the blah blah blah. He did it. Really? Yeah. He's going like white white people now, you know, like he's trying to use white people. Yes. He so did it. Publicly asked for forgiveness. Oh my god. He said I'm ready to forgive anybody or anything that anybody did to me. And I'm also asking forgiveness for whatever I did to anybody. This guy killed a whole bunch of people. So they play each other. Uh, he's, he's, he's trying to act like he has people to forgive. I mean, I think Guillaume Soro, I never really understood him because I never, I, I never could get behind his cause because I never saw what the hell his cause was. You know, he was, he was kind of, uh, you know, a tool you know, for the imperialist, you know, for the French. And then, and Les Compore, mm -hmm. Les Compore is advisor to the president, Alassane Draman Ouattara. Right? Mm -hmm. But the vice president that Alassane appointed mm -hmm. doesn't get along with Blaise. So, this, this is what I see. I think when see. Guillaume Soro went to become the president of the assembly, when did he do that? Like two or three years ago? Maybe a long he's time been, ago. Yeah, he's been for, this is his second term. Okay, and then they changed the constitution while he was the president of the assembly. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny, but that's great. Um, <laughs> I think he was playing a move to where Watara might get assassinated, and he becomes automatically president without having to go through an election. Because he can't impeach the assembly. To, to not to vote because mm -hmm. he's part of the okay he has a party mm -hmm. right but his mm -hmm. party is on so when you were walking out did you switch it off no okay. didn't switch anything so his party mm -hmm. can you hear mm -hmm. okay his party uh, you know joined Alessandro Raman party mm -hmm. but his party is very small Mm -hmm. So they got some deputy at the mm -hmm. assembly, mm -hmm. but they, their number is very small. Yeah, that's why I, I think when he did that, he was looking for a way to take out Watara and then legally become the president, yes. and then he would be the incumbent, and he can yes. run as the incumbent, exactly. but he would come in without an election. Now, um, the plan is. There was, I just could not see Guillaume Soro winning an election in in Ivory Coast, no way, no you know, um, and you know, of course, you got the the divisions, the Muslim Christian divisions over there. But I just, you know, maybe my analysis may have been incorrect. But I just never thought that this but, guy um, would be, who could win an election in in the Ivory you know, Coast after everything that he did there with his war. It is 
it's everything. Everything is possible because people in Africa they don't vote based mm -hmm. on their consciousness. Yeah, that's the that's the problem. They vote based on your your region, mm -hmm. your ethnics, mm -hmm. your cultural background, and everything. This is what matters to them. The voters, yeah, it's from this region. I'm from mm -hmm. there, so I'm voting. Mm -hmm. This is usually what happened. I have a question on Rwanda. How is the economy right now in Rwanda? It's interesting. Uh, Rwanda has been shown as like a, a fast developing country, eight percent a year, you know, growth. Yep. Um, there has been recent um, studies that are questioning the numbers, yeah. and they're saying that they fake the numbers. Uh, in fact, there was a British uh, firm, I forget the name of um, that British company, that was doing statistics on poverty with them. And the Rwandan government tried to change the numbers, mm -hmm. and the British company said, no, we're not doing that. And because of that, the, um, they just... Uh, you know, pulled out. They were like, "We're not going to uh, publish it with you," and so the Rwandan government published it themselves. Um, now, there are two economies running in Rwanda. Mm -hmm. There is the ruling party's economy. The ruling party owns everything in the country. The country is bankrupt. The ruling party owns all the properties and all, you know everything. Kagame's airplanes. He has two. They rented by the government for when he's traveling trips? from him. Yeah, for like with, official trips. Yeah, when he comes when he, when he comes here to the UN General Assembly, they rent his own planes to bring him here <laughs> on a government mission. Sounds very familiar. To you. Um, he sounds familiar. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. We've seen this movie already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, just about everything in the country is owned by the ruling party mm -hmm. they also insert themselves in everybody's business including like if you're trying to like open a newspaper uh -huh. or some kind of media house mm -hmm. they want a stake in it if you if you own a business they want a stake in your business or you need to pay them yeah. everybody is obligated to pay all of these extra money into the business one yeah and also into the ruling party like people people's salaries are withheld yeah to wow. pay into the ruling party, you know, por portions of their salaries. Mm. Now, there's now the real economy where the people operate. Mm -hmm. And what Rwanda has done is, like, well, you got street vendors that are getting kicked out of the streets. They cannot sell in yeah. the streets. Mm -hmm. There is famine in Rwanda right now. 150,000 people affected. People oh. have fled, have been fleeing to Uganda for almost a year now. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, the the famine is uh, is been nicknamed in Rwanda. When when a famine gets to a point where it gets a nickname in yeah. Rwanda, that mm -hmm. means it's bad. Yeah. Uh, the nickname is Nzaramba, which is which means I will survive. Oh. Okay. Um, or I live long. Mm -hmm. the, the, the 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 big thing about it is Kenya also has a famine, mm -hmm. and Kenya has sought help from the international community, Rwanda has refused to acknowledge this, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, um, this famine mm -hmm. because they want to be seen as, you know, yeah, yeah. a developmental model. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
people are hungry. Um, majority of Rwandans still live under $2 a day. Mm -hmm. I was uh, looking at statistics. Only 10% of households in Rwanda have electricity. And even that is rationed. 3% or less, I believe, is less than 3% or maybe less than 4% of the population has running water. You know. So uh, it, it's a very poor country. In terms of GDP, if you look at the East African economic, I think it's East African community, mm -hmm. EAC, yeah. which is Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, Rwanda, and Burundi, five countries. Yeah. Rwanda is number four oh. in terms of GDP. You know, you got Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, Rwanda, Burundi is the last one. Well. So there's a lot of talk about how great Rwanda is economically when you look at, you know, uh, GDP per person. Mm -hmm. What does, what, what's the, I mean, what, what does the soil, or what's the riches, you know? Yeah, what, like the resources. The resources. The biggest resource in Rwanda is the people. The people, just like Burkina. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Rwanda has 11 or almost 12 million people. Okay. Rwanda is the most densely populated country in the world. It has more people per square mile, square mile. than even China that has over a billion people on their territory. Oh. So it's very small, but it's overpopulated. Mm. So that's the biggest wow. natural resource in the country. And then coffee and oh. tea. Yeah. Okay. Um, is, is, you don't have a sea, right? No, it's a lake. Yeah, it's there's a, there, and there's methane gas out of uh, that lake that they they've been working on uh, harnessing. Even though it's shown that it's a danger to the environment, they're still going after it. Yeah, you see in Burkina right now we have some mining, you know, mm -hmm. gold, gold and shit. But frankly, this the issue with what is happening, especially in places like Burkina, mm -hmm. you can't talk about certain things because like stuff like the mine, mm -hmm. the mining section is run by Canada, South Africa, you know, probably China yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So India. In, so they pay, mm -hmm. they pay the workers mm -hmm. more than they used to see. Now, if you try to fight a system like this, Mm -hmm. You and your own brothers, you're going to kill each other because they're going to be like, mm -hmm. yo, these yep. people give us money. What are you talking about? Yep. But they don't see tomorrow what's mm -hmm. going to happen. And mm -hmm. my question all the time to, you know, like some of my friends who work in these places, like, what, what do you own in there? Mm -hmm. Nothing. So they're paying you money mm -hmm. to destroy this. Your community and all of this. These precious reserves. reserves. Yeah, mm -hmm. this precious thing that you have. Yeah. And they're gonna once they're done with that, they go to the next spot and they destroy it. Mm -hmm. And you taking that, what do you do with that money? And mm -hmm. the biggest problem is not even the mining. I mean, it's the aftermath. Because yeah. when yeah. what happened when to the, the community? When, when, when the, the well, when the well goes dry, mm -hmm. mining, mining mm -hmm. gold. Mm -hmm. When the well goes dry, mm -hmm. the problem is not. The problem is that all the holes that, that they, 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 they dug out, yeah. mm -hmm. that they dug out. Mm -hmm. First, 
will not be recoverable. You can't cover them. Yeah, yeah because so, it's so deep. Yeah, exactly. And it's mm -hmm. so deep. And then it will cause, in the long run, it will cause natural disasters. Yep. Yeah. Natural catastrophe in the long run. Let's say from, from now, like 50 years from now, mm -hmm. something might happen. The, the thing is, I, I would have, like, I, I wouldn't have issue with it if, like, my people were in control of it, mm -hmm. you know, like, or if they own a percentage of all this, you know, like, you're destroying your own house, mm -hmm. at least, you know, have something added. Something coming back, but yeah. You, you're not even having crumbs, because, yep. you know, mm -hmm. most of yeah. the bosses, they're not from Burkina, or mm -hmm. they're from somewhere else, and they come, they make the big box, and, you know, we make not even crumbs. Mm -hmm. And we don't see any problem in it. So when you talk to the people, they look at you crazy, like yo, like you are you hating or something. And that's why it's important to have um, good, strong institutions instead of personalities. Because you that's think about um, places like Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is a kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's repressive. Mm -hmm. It's a dictatorship. Mm -hmm. But when you look at how they use the oil money, which is similar to Gaddafi, mm -hmm. you know, they get their people educated. Yeah. They get benefits out of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, you cannot sustain, <coughs> from, you know, in my opinion, mm -hmm. you cannot sustain a kingdom or a dictatorship. At some point, it's going to fall. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that, you know, we've got to start approaching it in a way that's like, this yeah. is benefiting us. We're setting the prices. And uh, also regarding the, what is the what is the rate of education education level the rate in uh, in, uh, in Rwanda yeah I'm trying to think back at the statistics um, now um, there is quote unquote universal access to education to elementary education and so it, it's a high percentage of people that are at least achieving elementary education and there are less of course people graduating from high schools or secondary yeah and then university is even less um, the rate of unemployment is really high uh, but you know which mean, which mean that uh, we're facing the same almost the same problem all over Africa because mm -hmm. we don't we don't create a higher education uh, institutions mm -hmm. which allows people to invent and mm -hmm. to, 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 to to create yep. uh, employment mm. so no matter how, how, how many people graduate from High school. Mm -hmm. just graduate and that. That's it. You just get a diploma. That's it, and then they go to university, and then they're not studying in fields mm -hmm. that allows the country to to improve its productivity. Not only in Rwanda, mm -hmm. but also in all over the places. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're doing. Most of us are going to university to study and come sit in, a, in an office. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. we, we don't need office people right now. No, no. We need more field people, technicians. Mm -hmm. uh, how you call it? Um, I don't know, but we really, I, I think that we don't believe that we can achieve that level of dream like mm -hmm. to, the, to you see the, the, the production production um, um, uh, how you call it the production process mm -hmm. from the from beginning till end like from like from mining the gold processing okay. the gold to a finished product to the finished product until we can do that, until we start doing this, we will never improve our level of, you know, we will never reach our, uh, our potential. potentials. Right. What would you say to this young African, or especially young person from Rwanda? coming up under this regime because I know you know you're getting tired and you know we gotta let you rest I think um, a couple of things so because of the way the Rwandan government is structured it also stifles creativity when you have a project or a business that you want to start they will you have to get it vetted by the government and basically what they do is they say, oh no, somebody else has got that idea. So we don't, we're not gonna approve it. And then they give it to one of their guys. Um, I think young people need to know that one, they have rights, we have rights. Two, if a person interferes with our rights, we must fight to get it back or to get the right. And, and we must we must struggle to get the, these rights. And three, we are powerful. You are powerful. Young people are powerful. And they must, I would, I would tell them, use your power to affect the, the change that you want to see. Don't just accept the fact that you're hungry and the government is, you know, um, driving you further into poverty or famine and in you know, other things without struggling. You have to, you have to fight for what you need, and you have to fight for the future that you want. But also think about it outside of just your own personal comforts or your own personal needs. Look at the bigger picture because when things are happening for everybody, things are easier for you. Um, and so I would say, you know, first of all, uh, well, I've, you know, I've already gone through, you know, some of these things, but I would say, do not, do not do, first, first rule, do no harm. Yeah. Number two, if you see harm, do something about it. Number three, the government of Rwanda is doing harm and you must stand up, stand with the people and fight back and do something 
start with disobedience, if nothing else, and then build it up to a revolution. You know, and that's what I would, I would definitely tell the people to prepare for a revolution. Prepare your minds, prepare your body, prepare your, you know, for your sacrifice. You know, for what you need, for what you want, and for a better future for everybody. For for those of us who are older, for those of you who are young, and for those who are coming from, you know, behind you. Yep. Thank you, man. You know, like, uh, do, do you have anything else? Yeah. Uh, you know, we really appreciate you taking up your time. I know you have, you know, you had lectures all day long. Inside, so. <laughs> I appreciate Thank it. You, Thank you. Thank you very much, Claude. And, um, I, I enjoyed I it. I will see each other another day. I yeah. will I will see you in New York. In another yeah. another yeah. day somewhere in Africa. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Doing big things, big Doing projects, big things. sustaining our youth. Yet. Yep. Right. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. All right.